Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Hello and welcome to Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, episode two. We made it through the tricky debut last week with help from Liam Barker and Jeppe Grunning. And I'm back this week with another special guest. But before we get on to the six Superliga games that we're going to review, including last minute drama in FC Copenhagen against FC Norgeland, a goal fest in Randers and a bottom of the table scrap between Horsens and Alborg. I just wanted to share some thoughts on the Man City FC Copenhagen game that I went to in Manchester last week. It started with a train strike. So myself and a friend piled onto a coach early in the morning for the long journey up to Manchester. We made pretty good time and found where all the away fans were were hanging out at Exchange Square, which seems to be the spot for European away fans to gather. And the atmosphere was fantastic. Even though the rain was sort of coming down, there were three or four pubs close together and fans were mingling there and everyone was chatting to each other. And got to meet a number of people who had... Um, various interactions with on Twitter, which was great. And yeah, the mood was fantastic. And I think everyone was just sort of enjoying the vibe. At about five o'clock, everyone gathered. There was a big police escort and we made our way to the stadium through the streets of Manchester. And it was a pretty fun experience being able to sort of walk as part of this huge group with all the roads being closed off and making our way to the stadium that way. And once we got there, The atmosphere inside was brilliant. I was in the lower tier, which was absolutely rocking throughout. And yeah, people didn't really stop singing, jumping throughout the whole game. And I think it was actually starting to annoy some of the Man City fans to our side that, you know, whenever they scored, it almost had no effect on the away fans. I'm used to when I'm in an away end normally. If, uh, if your side concedes, you sort of have your head in your hands and it's a bit dispiriting and you look across at the people celebrating and feel a bit like, ah. That's annoying. Whereas, uh, whereas here, it was just business as usual. And I think at 5-0 down, the FC Copenhagen fans were probably having more fun than the Man City fans. So that was definitely an enjoyable experience. I think on the pitch, the difference in quality was there for all to see. And I've said before, I think Man City are probably the best team in, in world football at the moment, especially with Haaland there. And you just give them a sniff of goal and they're, and they're scoring. So at the end of the day, I don't think 5-0 is a disgrace. I think in in most cases, if a team loses 5-0, it's one to forget. But this one was really sort of par for the course. And I think that Man City are going to do that to a number of teams with far more financial muscle than FC Copenhagen this season. So I don't think anyone can be too disappointed in the result. And I think that given how Sevilla are performing, I think there's a distinct possibility that FC Copenhagen could still Pip Sevilla to that third place in the group and make it through to the Europa League. I don't think it's out of the question. I think it all comes down to that that game in Seville coming up soon. So all to play for there. And the day after the game, there were also two interesting results in Europe. FC Michelin got a creditable two-all draw against Feyenoord. And the result of the week for, for Danish teams was really that Silkeborg winning 5-0 against FCSB finally put some points on the board and a really emphatic win that kind of reminded me of of the Silkeborg of, of last season who were just at their kind of swaggering best. So I think all in all, there's some optimism that we can have for some of the Danish sides in, in Europe this year. Finally, I just wanted to say that lots of people contact me each week to ask where to watch Superliga matches. So I just thought I'd put it out there for anyone listening to the podcast. If you're outside of Scandinavia, there are two fantastic options that are both completely free. They're both app-based, the FIFA Plus app, 
and the OneFootball app. I tend to use the OneFootball app. They're not paying me to say that, but the fact that you can find the games that are being streamed quite easily and stream them to a TV or like an Apple device, I think that's fantastic. So although you don't get commentary with either option, you do get 1080p HD. So if you're outside of Scandinavia and you're looking to watch Superliga matches, you can find them on the FIFA Plus or OneFootball app. So without further ado, let's get into the show and lots to unpack with this week's guest. Well, I'm delighted to be joined today by a Danish guy with an English name with a Superliga pedigree to rival anyone. He's been a fan for 25 years. He's covered Danish football professionally as a journalist for 14, including at Tips Bladel. I believe you pronounce it in Danish, the oldest football newspaper in Denmark. And since March, he's been a podcast journalist at Mediano, which is a platform that I wish I could understand Danish for because they put out some fantastic stuff. So it's a great pleasure to welcome Sebastian Stanbury to the show. Sebastian, welcome. Thanks so much for being here to talk some Superliga and how are you doing on this cold October night? I'm doing great, thank you, and thank you for thank you for having me on. I've actually just come back from watching two of the teams we're going to talk about uh, today because there's been a, a cup round uh, in Denmark today. So I've been watching FC Nordsjælland and AGF uh, both win comfortably against lower league sides in the cup. So um, I'm back inside, uh, getting a little bit heat uh, back in my feet, uh, <laughs> and ready to podcast. Fantastic. And you've just come back from the Faroe Islands watching some football there. How was that as an experience? Oh, that was great as well. Uh, I've never been there. I like to go uh, see football in different countries. It was great seeing, you know, that uh, obviously the Faroe Islands have like 50,000 inhabitants. So the quality of football will always be less than in Denmark or any, uh, in many places other than Europe. But for 90 minutes in some windblown mountain in the Faroe Islands. It's the most important match in the world for those in the in the stadium and on the pitch and, and I love I love experiencing that. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I read the, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a magazine called Glory. Each issue is on a different country. And the very first one was on the Faroe Islands. And I read that and put it on my football bucket list. So I, as and when I get the time to go there, I'm going to hit you up for some recommendations because it looks fantastic. And it looks like the final boss for Nordic football experiences. <laughs> it, it, it really is great. And uh, all, from every stadium, you can see a mountain. or uh, And uh, from almost all of them, you can see the water, which is a surreal experience and, and a really pleasant one as well. Nice. Oh, cool, man. Well, yeah, um, that's for another time, but I'm very jealous. <laughs> so to get things kicked off, I thought we could just talk briefly about yesterday's match. Just, I wasn't expecting it to to have so many talking points, but FC Copenhagen against Manchester City. Copenhagen become the first team to stop Man City scoring this season. There was that fantastic penalty save from, from Kamil Grabara and I thought that they gave a very good account of themselves. They didn't park the bus. They, you know, admittedly were playing against 10 men, but I thought they did quite well. What was your take on the on the game? They really did. And there's been this, I've seen it online, uh, this debate in Denmark here today. Uh, where does this rank compared to the great uh, European matches of Danish teams? And there's been talk about Barcelona, you know, uh, FC Copenhagen played a very famous match against FC mm. Barcelona in 2010. 1-1 uh, draw against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team, which then went on to uh, win the Champions League. That, that was the Barcelona team that beat Real Madrid 5-0. And um, 
the one against the Manchester United 3-1 at Wembley in the final. So that's a very famous match here in Denmark. And to me, it doesn't compare to that one because I I thought that uh, that Copenhagen team from 2010 played better. They were able to compete more. Uh, Manchester City after the red card were seemed a bit content with a draw. So it, it, we, we don't quite rank that high on the scale, but even that you are able to talk about that match, you're able to bring it into the conversation, suggest that this, this was a very good performance against a very, very good team who uh, has been beating teams for fun this season, also this last season and actually <laughs> the season before that. And Copenhagen came from a, a, a different point where they have been struggling really bad in the Danish league and lost against teams. They normally would beat and they lost 5-0 against uh, City away. So that they were able to hold their own against Manchester City, that was really impressive. And that bodes well for them this season, I think. Yeah, I have to say, having been in, in Manchester last week for the game, it was a very fun experience. But certainly on the pitch, you know, I don't think FC Co really laid a glove on, on Man City. Whereas last night, I thought they, they took the game to them. There was some standout performances. I thought Victor Christiansen was fantastic. I thought Stamanich also was really good. And obviously, Kamil Grabara. And I, I wanted to actually ask you about Grabara because... Matt Ryan came in with obviously a, a huge pedigree after the the injury to Grabara. And I, I think the general consensus was that Ryan was going to keep playing until the World Cup and then there would be a, a debate as to what's happening. In fact, it seems like Grabara is already back to being number one. What's the situation there? Do you think one of them is going to get sold in January? Surely you can't have two goalkeepers of that quality with one on the bench. Uh, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because, yeah, you, you are right. Uh, it, they might be the two best goalkeepers in the Danish league, to, to be honest. Uh, mm. Matt Hammond in, in, in Bronby is a good shout as well. Uh, Karl Grein in Ranas is a, another one. But they're in the conversation, both of them. Let, let's keep it at that. And Grabara was such a good goalkeeper uh, and has, was really good in, in the spring. where they, He had a long string of clean sheets and has been playing well uh, after coming to it. So Copenhagen has been an upward level, I'd say. His quality has been... Uh, higher and higher. He got injured. They pull it. They get, uh, bring in Matt Ryan, which seems like overkill to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that, that was what I thought at the moment. What 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 do they need him for? Cabada uh, is only going to be away for a couple of weeks, uh, maybe a month or so. But Matt Ryan came in and was a revelation. He played uh, extremely well from the start, and then we were like, then like, I uh, at least I was. Well, now he's the number one goalkeeper. Why shouldn't he be? Because he's playing so well. And then suddenly, uh, Kabar was back in goal and takes a penalty from uh, Riyad Mahrez in the Champions League. So mm. he's also <laughs> at the number one spot. None of these two at any point during this season has placed themselves uh, off the pitch, I'd say. Uh, they, they were, they've been performing quite well. But now, now Kabar is in goal. What will happen? Is January the right window to uh, sell a goalkeeper? I don't know who's looking for a goalkeeper in January. I don't know. Um, so maybe the rest of the season. But obviously, it, it won't continue like this. And they also have Kelly Jonsson, a former uh, goalkeeper who's been twice been voted goalkeeper of the year in Denmark. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, so they have some really, <laughs> really, really strong goalkeepers. Yeah, well, I guess you could say that 
however much Matt Ryan's costing, and I've, I've I've heard that his wages are quite quite significant compared to some of the other players in the squad. But whatever they're costing, surely those performances against Trabzon Spore to get into the Champions League have paid for that and a lot more. So maybe it's speculate to accumulate, and that they they went big thinking we got to get through these two games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that is that probably is the solution. That those were. Maybe the two most important matches uh, of this season, at least until uh, the the championship, uh, the Danish championship will be decided in the spring. Mm. So yeah, obviously they they paid for a, an experienced hand, uh, literally, in uh, in those two matches, and uh, they were well received. They were well paid off. And before we move on to Superliga, just if you had to put your money on the table now and say Copenhagen are going to qualify for for the Europa League in third spot of the group over Sevilla, do you think that's going to happen or not? I think it's it's a tough one still. Uh, they still have to do it away, you know, but we're getting closer. Uh, you know, they still have to score a goal. Uh, they still haven't scored yet, so that, that, that could be a start. Mathematically, it's possible. If they draw 0-0 in Sevilla and and Sevilla then go on to lose to Man City by 2-0, I think it's possible to qualify yeah, yeah, yeah. without it scoring is. a goal. <laughs> and they still have, uh, they, they're still able to draw 0-0 against uh, Dortmund at home as well. Yeah. Uh, I, they are not favourites, let me put it that way. Uh, they still have to, they still have to give a little more. But at some point, before the, the tournament started, when FC Copenhagen were doing badly, I was thinking maybe they wouldn't get any points at all. Mm. And here we are, uh, four matches into the tournament, and they have a chance to to go through to the Europa League. So that that's a good thing. And yeah. they have p- p- performed beyond my expectations, at least. Yeah, and I think going into the Europa League, you know, having had this experience of Champions League football, but then going into a tournament where you know they could be expected to progress a couple more rounds at least, you know, against there's still some big teams in the Europa League. I think that could be the you know the best of both worlds. So yeah, watch this space next couple of weeks. Since we're on the the subject of Copenhagen, let's talk a little bit about their match on the weekend against FC Norgeland. I think this was one that I was really looking forward to with Norgeland flying you know, Copenhagen with a new manager. And it turned out to be a really tight game. I guess it hinged on that Rooney substitution. I thought, oh, this is interesting. Rooney's getting more than two minutes like he was getting throughout the season. You know, he came on and changed the game with that goal. Fantastic acrobatic finish. And just when you thought this is the turning point for FC Co's season, you know, Norgeland come fighting back and Ant-Man gets the gets the equaliser. <laughs> So I guess, yeah. Was that the way you were expecting the game to pan out? I was really um, excited to see how it would pan pan out because this was maybe the biggest test so far of the season for us in Norseland, going away to the defending champions, even though Copenhagen have been struggling, struggling. And they both, in my opinion, passed and failed because <laughs> they weren't able to play as well as they, as they had been playing at home. I saw the other match, uh, the, the, the reverse uh, match uh, in, in Farum, where FC Northland uh, played FC Copenhagen uh, off, the, off the pitch, off the plastic pitch in Farum, won comfortably. Yeah. And they weren't able to do that in this match. So at the same time, FC Copenhagen have been raising their level. But FC Northland managed to do something diff- differently. And that was to use the smallest opportunity given to them to uh, bring a drop home, to bring one point home to farm. And that's another sign of a top team. 
yeah. uh, in, in, in the league, that they, you're able to get something out of it, even when you're not at the, your very best. So that was a good thing for first and Arsenal, I would say. Yes, they've really surprised me this season because last season they were, you know, on the brink of relegation for for long points of the season, and it, they haven't had comprehensive round of new signings. You know, they brought a few names in in January to help sort of steady the ship, but there's not been a a massive step shift. You know, no new manager, no sort of marquee signings. In fact, they sold Simon Adingra. So. It's it's strange how it's panned out, but they they seem to be riding this wave really well. And we actually had a question from uh, Frederick M O four on Twitter who said, "Do you think FC Norgeland can win the title?" What do you say to that? I say they can, depending on if FC Mitchell and, and FC Copenhagen continues to struggle a bit. Then FC Co- FC Norgeland, in my opinion, uh, would be the favorite of the remaining ten teams to take mm. the championship. But if somehow, and I think both are heading in that direction after having changed their managers, uh, FC Mitchell and, and FC Copenhagen step it up, then they will. Then it will be hard on uh, for FC Norseland, I think. Yeah, for me, it hinges on the January window because I know there's been a lot of rumblings about Sheldrup and about Adamo Nagalo. And I think if they were to lose those two, they're so important to the way they play. I just wonder whether that would kind of take the wind out of their sails a bit. And that might be the thing to deflate their chances. Yeah, and we don't know what will happen. It's always un, uh, it's difficult to predict football match, let alone a transfer window. But I don't think they will sell them. I don't think they will because they have financial uh, capacity to say no because mm. they've been sold. They've been selling players for silly silly money over the last many many seasons. So I think they can say, no, we're, we're going to wait a half a year and sell Shello, uh Nagalo in the summer. Um, I, I, I don't think they, they will lose those players. Um, but, but still, it's still a young team. It's still a team where they don't have the depth in the squads compared to FC Copenhagen, for instance. Mm-hmm. So they still need their top players to be fit, to perform, uh, and they can't always they've been doing it sometimes this season where they have made some substitution during the game and then the substitutes substitutes have uh, come in and decided the game for them players like uh, Ant-Man with the nice anthem you had before him Anthem <laughs> and Laszlo Koulibaly have, have been performing as well but they can't rely on that every weekend so their star players uh, have to perform but then I would say you mentioned that they didn't really bring in some players. I'd say they did in January where they bought Andreas Hansen as a new goalkeeper. They really needed that. And they bought a Matt Hansen from FC Midtjylland for quite a lot of money. And he's such a great talent, I think. He's, he has the speed, the physique, a great left foot. And he still hasn't really, really kicked in this season. I'm waiting mm. for him to really, really break through. And then they have Shellrup, Ernest Nuama, who has been a revelation this season and uh, Matt Hansen. So it's a great attack and they, they, they are still able to, uh, to evolve, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And also that in that January window that you mentioned, they also signed Eric Markson 
which kind of added a, a bit more experience to that back line. Yeah, that, even that though was... he's not really playing. I saw no. him today because he was playing with the reserves against Bellop in, the, in yeah. the cup. But I think he came on on the weekend and it did make me think the depth that they have, the fact that they can bring Koulibaly, Antman and Markson off the bench, that's depth that they didn't have at this time last season. And and that's, that, that was costing them. So, yeah. Um, the one other question I was going to ask about this is before the game, Cornelius uh, was injured in the in the warm-up and, and didn't play any part in the game, didn't play any part in the game midweek. Do you feel that this is something that's going to keep happening with him? It, he doesn't seem to be able to have a, a run in the team. He hasn't really hit the kind of form that, that people were expecting. Is it just a case of he just needs a bit more time? Or do you think that this could be another Kuma Babakar situation? Uh, no, he, he, should be, he should be way better than that. But it's a strange one, isn't it? Because so last season in, in, in Turkey, uh, he played 37 league matches. Mm. So he missed he missed one match uh, out of thirty eight matches, uh, and start, starting this season in uh, in in Turkey before he came to Denmark, he played four out of four 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 out of four, uh, four matches for uh, Trabzonspor, and then he moved to Copenhagen, and suddenly the injuries have just kept on coming. So it's I think it's just bad luck. It it I it, nothing more in in my opinion. It's not it's nothing about the health department in FC Copenhagen. It's nothing to do with Andreas Cornelius himself. Hmm. It's just bad luck. Uh, and you know these injuries he has, they can come back and they can be hard to get rid of. So, but they need him because they have no other real strikers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we'll look forward to seeing what he can do when he's when he's fit again for his third homecoming I think this is so so yeah um, it's going to be interesting the next game we're going to talk about is the only one that had more than two goals in it which was <laughs> Randers against uh, Bromby and yeah a, a fantastic high scoring game finished 3-2 to Bromby and Randers are a second despite two losses on the bounce and I just wonder has the wind come out of their sails do you think they can put together a run again and were you expecting this result because I certainly wasn't uh, no, I wasn't expecting that result because Bonvu have not played up to standards this season and Ranas have. But uh, yet again, it doesn't really surprise me that uh, Ranas were to slip up at some point because this is a really great team and uh, they are able to gain the maximum out of their players, I'd say, which is not the, the most expensive in the league uh, or, or close to it. But many times they are able to decide matches in their favor, matches who are on the tipping scale. And they usually win one with one goal, uh, maybe two if it's, it's a really good day, but usually they get one, uh, one goal victories. And if you continue to do that, at some point, at some point you're going to slip up. At some point, you're not really going to change that, those tight games into your favor. Mm. And they weren't able to do that this time. And Bonvu were quite lucky to win the, uh, win the match was my impression, but that was bound to happen at some point because at other points in the season, Ranas have been lucky to win these tight matches. So it was bound to happen at some point, but there's nothing to say that Ranas uh, shouldn't be able to do it again, uh, to win again already next match, uh, even though they're going away to Silkeborg, which is not an easy one, but they can easily win even though they've lost two on the bounce. Mm, yeah, what's kind of surprised me about Hannah's start to the season is they've done it without Stephen Odie and uh, Tosin Kehinde really 
clicking like they did at times last season. And I think that if they can get those two firing uh, and sort of chipping in with goals and assists, I think they can be a really quite scary prospect. Uh, at least yeah, going I agree forward. with you. I agree with you. And O'Day is a kind of a mystery because when he came to the league uh, last season, I remember that famous quote from uh, his uh, then teammate uh, Vito Hamasoy Mitrati, who said, "I know what he's. I don't know what he's doing here. He's too good for this league. Uh, he's too too good for this team." And he was, and he hasn't really been able to perform on that level since then. Hmm. So hopefully, uh, for Anas, he will be able to to gain some momentum uh, as well at some point. And as you mentioned, uh, I agree with you. They they have been playing really really good at some point they they are the second in the league and and yet some of their biggest stars haven't really performed so they are they they also like I mentioned with Eastern Northland are able to build even more quality into the side mm. and despite that win Bromby is still ninth. And we had a question. In fact, um, we had a couple of people asking very similar questions. Emil Anderson and Nordic Ludwig both asked which of the big three, so FC Copenhagen, uh, Bromby and Midtjylland, will miss the top six. And we're at the sort of halfway point before the before the league splits into the championship and the relegation group. Uh, do, do you think any of those three will miss out? All of them? One of them? I'm curious for your thoughts on that question. This is just a gut feeling, but I have been suspecting for a while that uh, Boinbury might slip out of it uh, because they have at no point almost during the season looked like they have gained the maximum potential out of their players. So I have been thinking that it, I think FC Michelin will uh, go come into the championship, uh, championship round top six, FC Copenhagen will as well, but Boinbury might not make it. Mm. And then again, that, that's the feeling I've been having. And since I started having those feelings, they have not been, they've not been progressing. They haven't been better, even though they won at Ranas. But then I look at the standings and they are one point away from AGF, uh, which is number six. Yeah. So they are right there. And the entire league, you could say it about the entire league, except for Lungri and maybe Olbo then you can say it about every team that they are right on the margins and they are definitely fighting to be in the top six. So yeah. it's, it's a really fun league in that way. Definitely. Super competitive. And I feel like the, I feel like Bromby had a, a, a good end of the market. You know, the, the signings they brought in, I think, have really improved them. It's just a case of can they sort of stagger forwards and, and make it into the championship group and sort of take that as a, a point to build from. But um Watch this space because, uh, as you say, it, it changes on a weekly basis. We've got 10 more games, 11 more games t- till that point. So, yeah. Uh, 10. 10. One team you mentioned uh, that we're going to talk about next is uh, AGF against FC Midtjylland. And uh, this was one that actually Liam Barker, last week's guest, called this one as a 1-0 Midtjylland win. And he was spot on. FCM under Capellas are looking definitely better. They've got this ever-changing front three. And I, I didn't really realize until looking after the game how bad AGF's form was. But I think they've won one in six. They, I, I've, I just have this perception of them as starting the season strong. And I kind of missed in my, uh, in my perception of them how, how much of a cliff they've fallen off. What's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I agree with you. You don't really, you don't really feel as, as if they are in that big of a crisis, which the results seem to t- suggest. But then again... 
so they lose 1-0 against the 1-0 against FC Michelin. But they are playing 10 men for most of the match. Like Tinga was thrown out before the half hour. And at some points during the, this, match, uh, this match, they seemed like they could win it. And then a late goal, goal for my Anastasia uh, decided it. So mm-hmm. even though FC Michelin, which has much more expensive watch, which has want, they want to win the championship, AGF uh, were batting relegation last season. Even though they were playing against 10 men for an hour, they still only managed to win 1-0 with a late goal. So the results, this, this run-up form from AGF have, has been really bad, but I can still see uh, light at the end of the tunnel for them, I mm. think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, because so they lose 1-0 against FC Copenhagen away. So they lose 1-0 against Michelin with a player down for 60 minutes. So they lose to FC Northland. So they lose in, in Silgeborg. This happens. It would be great for them to win at some point because otherwise they, they won't be, make it into the top six, and that's, top six and that's where they want to be. But none of these results by themselves are really a disaster. Yeah. I think that you know results are one thing, playing style is another. And I, I can definitely see an improvement in the way they're playing. You can see there's more of, a, more of an idea, more of a... I think the fans seem more energized and excited by what they're seeing on the pitch. So it, in theory, results will come. But they're ones to keep an eye on because if this run of form continues, uh, it's going to get pretty awkward there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Because I've just defended them, uh, but they can't go out and make excusable uh, losses every week because then they're going to end up in a place they don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, before we move off that subject, I just wondered uh, on the subject of that ever changing front three. Put yourself in Capellas's shoes. One-off game. Who do you pick in that front three out of Sisto, Traia, Isaacson, Kaba, and Bramado? That's a tough one. Anastasia is number one on my team sheet, uh, without a doubt. Then I, I think I'll go Kaba because he's actually been playing really good at some points uh, during this season. And then I would go with Sisto because Ooh. he has also been doing relatively well compared to to some points during last season uh, this season and to me that's then you are taking advantages uh, advantage of each player's strengths so you can play Sisto on the left where he's able to cut inside and you can play uh, Dreyer on the right where he's able to cut inside and uh, shoot with his left leg and make that left foot dangerous and then you have uh, Kaba in front of goal where he belongs if you put Anastasio uh, and on the left where I think he should be, then it's going to be hard to to fit in the other players. Uh, I would say. Yeah. And 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 Isaksen, he played one of the best matches a Danish player played this season against Lazio when mm. where he was uh, unplayable against them and they won five one against the top Italian side. But. Suddenly, he's back on the bench uh, for some time uh, for, for Michelin in the league. And that's because he isn't re- able to perform consistently uh, at his high level, at his, at his highest level. Were he able to do that, he would be a no-brainer in, in the starting lineup. But he's still not quite there, in my opinion. Interesting. What, what, who, would you, who would you pick? 
Yeah, so I would pick Dreyer and Isaacson as my first two names. And then the decision for me would be between Kaba and Sisto. So whether you go with a false nine in Dreyer or you go with the, the sort of classic big man in, in Kaba. But for me, I, Isaacson's been so impressive this season. I know that as a result of those Thursday, Sunday matches, he, he's getting rotated more than he should. But I've been pretty impressed with him. I, I think I saw a report today linking him with Ajax. Uh, it does feel like he's on the brink of a, a big move. He, he would be in my starting eleven. But I can see that Sisto has made strides this season. So it's not quite the slam dunk answer that it might have been six or nine months ago. No, but he, he's definitely getting better, uh, Isaacson, but I still want more from him because he should be able to be consistently one of the best players in the league. Maybe he, he, sh- he shouldn't be there quite yet, but that's what his talent suggests for him. He could, mm-hmm. he could be that kind of player, and he, he hasn't been to me. I always bring up the fact that he rarely plays 90 minutes. He's played 90 minutes twice this season, and I think t- three times in the league overall. Uh, in and he since his since he got his debut, so that's also because he doesn't always show everything he can. Okay, is that also because you can make five subs in the Superliga and the attacking players are the ones who tend to tend to be shuffled a bit more often than the defensive ones? Yeah, maybe that obviously plays into it as well. But I, I'm just going to look at Anafaya has played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So Fair enough. There is a difference between those two, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, they've got a, a big game tomorrow away to Feyenoord. So we'll probably reflect back on that next week. But I, I thought they did quite well against Feyenoord last week. And so I think that group is very exciting. I think everyone's got four points. So a lot to play for there. The next game that I wanted to discuss was uh, Lingbu versus Viborg. And this was, <laughs> I've got a question for you. Are, are Lingby the unluckiest team in, in the league? this season uh it, you know they're still winless they were very unlucky not to break that record in this game against Viborg. Uh, you know had a, had a goal disallowed I thought they played very well I can't think of apart from the game against FC Copenhagen I can't think of many games where they've really been outplayed and yet they they're sat there with what, whatever it is four points I think and just can't buy a win and I, I I'm wondering what's going on yeah, and uh, you're uh, you're you're talking just like uh, their coach, uh, Fire Alexanderson said, because he <laughs> said that they were the most unlucky team in Europe. So you're you 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 and him are on the same page. <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize that. No, he did say that. Uh, I think he was talking about uh, VAR, uh, a couple of uh, VAR no. decisions, which got have it gone against his team. Um, they are unlucky, but. There's a reason for it as well. Some of it is luck. Some of it is lack of quality because they've been playing really good at certain stages of, of, uh, of the season uh, and in certain matches and yeah, maybe, maybe even most of them. But when you consistently lose or uh, don't win, there's a reason for it. It's because yeah. your defense is not good enough and your attack is not good enough. And to me, it's really that simple. They haven't been able to to get out enough out of uh, the momentum they they have had in the matches, and that's partly their own fault for not being good enough. As simple as that. And it's it's not like you could say we demand more and we have to have more because they they are uh, they are new to the they they went up last season and they have one of the smaller budgets uh, budgets in in the league. I think 
probably the smallest with Horsens. But they are not able to to go down and pick up uh, the three points when they are lying on the road right in front of them. And that always is a problem for them because we're talking about a really, really tight league and they are the one team who has been uh, uh, cut off from the mm. rest of them. And you, you mentioned luck there. On about 60 minutes, Finn Bogerson went for, uh, it was a fairly innocuous coming together and he's on the floor and comes off and he's got a broken collarbone and he's out for the rest of this year. And I think that just... That just sums up the kind of bad luck that they're having that, you know, he's a player who had nailed down at the starting place, probably the most or the kind of the biggest name in their in their lineup. And yeah, yeah, he's got, got this unfortunate injury. So, you know, we wish him well, but I think that's just symptomatic of the, the luck Lingby are having at the moment. That, that's definitely true. That has nothing to do with quality. That's just bad luck. And he is one of the players who... Lungby could hope that he was able to raise uh, his game and Lungby's game so they were able to get some wins because he has the experience, he has the quality uh, and he was just getting a run in in the team and now he's out. So yeah. that's, that's really unfortunate. But Vibor's good form continues though. So, you know, they're sat there in third and seeming to roll with the punches. You take Christian Sorensen, they keep winning. You, you take Justin Lomwick, they keep winning. So they've got something special going on there. And I think that it's going to take something to unseat them from the, the championship group. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say so as well. To me, they are going to get in because they're so hard to, to beat, the, to defeat. And you mentioned the players that they have sold and been able to replace. To me, that suggests that their system is one of the best in the leagues because mm. it seems so seamlessly to, to, to get into and they, they always have a, re- a replacement ready. Whether he's already in the squad or whether they, have, they bring him in from outside, they are able to perform when they get in there. They should be in the championship group, yeah. I, I'd say that had uh, Jeppe Groning on the show last week and he talked about the fact that the way they play is kind of set by the club and it doesn't change so it means that everyone who comes in they kind of know what's expected and I think that's kind of helped their consistency no end so yeah two more games to talk about Uh, firstly OB against uh, Silkeborg I think OB can feel pretty lucky to come away from this one with a point Silkeborg hit the post three times it was interesting that Sebastian Jorgensen was operating a bit more centrally in this one. So I think that 1-1 was probably quite flattering for the home side, but a, an important point for them nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. I think you, you, you said all the right things there. If you just look at the, at the scoreboard, uh, where Silgeborg got a point of, away from home with an equalizer seven, seven minutes before time, they looked like the lucky side, but uh, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> was, but it says it, it says a lot of uh, even though they they hit the post a couple of times, and even though they had Obi had to rely on the uh, on the on the woodwork to gain a point, still says a lot about Odense and the progress they have been making during the season that they didn't lose that match. I'd yeah. say, yeah, uh, they are not out of the woods yet. They have a problem. They, they are tenth, so they still have problems. Uh, but problems, I'd say, that this it's just one uh, point less than AGF in, in sixth, as I mentioned before, so it's really tight. At some point, OB looked like a team that were going to uh, be uh, lost in, in the bottom of the league, and they are not at the moment. They are hanging on, so that's a good thing for OB. And yeah, Silgeborg 
they should have won that one. And to me, that's an encouraging one that they, even though they only got a draw, that they, they, they played quite well, uh, were able to create some chances and show that they still have quality in, in the attack, uh, even though they lost uh, Nebula Vélez and uh, even though they, they sold Rasmus Carstensen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Acid on Twitter asked, where does Silkeborg end up this season, positionally? And I guess my thought is that in the championship group, towards the, the bottom end of that, so fifth or sixth, something like that, what, what's what's your prediction? Yeah, that, that could be the case, but I just checked that they have they have 20 points after 12 matches. At this point, uh, during last season, they had 18. So they actually were uh, better off than they were last year when they uh, won the bronze and came in third. So to me, Silgeborg, they might not be entirely as strong at the moment because it's hard to replace Rasmus Carstensen. It's hard to replace Nebula Vallis, even though they, like Vibor, have a system where you are able to, you should be able to seamlessly blend in uh, because the, the system is not defined by the players. Uh, the system defines the players. Then they are still a little bit worse off because they've lost two of their best uh, players. Mm-hmm. But then they still have more points than they did last year. And they still have an exciting squad, in my opinion. And we are waiting for the next... Some of the players could reach the level that, for instance, Vallis had when he was sold to Brunby. So I think they will be in the, the championship group because I just, part of this is just me being optimistic as well because I really like the team. I really like the, play, the way they play. I really like the story. So... I think they should be in the championship group, and I hope they are. Normally, people say we're going to save the best to last, but this time, I think I've saved the worst to last, which was Horsens, Alborg, nil-nil draw. I watched it. I wasn't watching with full concentration the full 90 minutes, but I did watch it. And afterwards, I thought, I can't think how they can make a highlights package from this. So I did watch the highlights as well, just to see what they'd done. And I have to say, congratulations to whoever it was at the Superliga who put together that highlights package, because you you did a fantastic job to make that two minutes long or, or three minutes long, whatever it was. No Sousa, no party. Alborg still can't get something going on. I, I can't really work out what's going on there. Prip isn't firing. I know they lost Jakarina in the summer. You know, has that had an impact? Like I predicted them preseason to finish third. So I'm just, I've got my head in my hands seeing, seeing them. And if they don't win this weekend against uh, Lingbu, they could really find themselves in a, a very distinct relegation battle. Yeah, definitely. And, and yet they are also not that far off. A couple of good results. I don't know where they should come from, but if they were to come, then they are back in it and immediately. So they haven't entirely been been lost in the bottom yet. But they're not they're not performing. Their key players are not performing. Luca Prip, who was such such a great player for them last season, hit nowhere near his level this season. Lucas Andersen, who on his day is top three player in the league, at least top three most entertaining player in the league, I'd say, because he's he's such a great player to watch. Mm. But his day has they have been they have been few and far between this season uh, and in the last many uh, long stretch of time at, actually since he came back from his long injury so yeah they 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 definitely have problems and it they've changed their coach what will be the impact of Eric Hamrein we don't know yet they sold uh, Matthias Ross one of their uh, leading defenders 
without having a replacement ready and it was necessary to bring in players on free transfer. So it's not going great in all books. It, it really isn't. And, and I, I was actually a bit surprised to see how, how close they are. Uh, it's one of those situations where you look at, it seems like everything's going wrong there. Mm. And then you look at the, the standings and they're four points, five points uh, away from, from top six. So they, they still have been able to, to win now and again, which has been really good for them. But they, yeah, they, they are in trouble, I would say. Yeah, there were kind of two reflections I had from that game. The first being that I thought it was really interesting that, that Theo Sander and Oliver, uh, Ross. and Oliver Ross both started because they represent the next generation of, of, of big talent coming through. And I think it's got to this point of the season where, you know, he's tried Ementa, he's tried Makaric and nothing's really working. So, hey, why not throw in a 17, 18 year old and, and see what he can do? So I thought that was interesting. And the other kind of reflection I had was that I think Alan Souza is this year's at least in terms of importance to them this year's Luca Prip, in terms of, you know, when he's not on fire, when he's not creating something, nothing's happening for them. Uh, I agree. Uh, I agree. And I think he's actually been a, a smart buy and he's been, he's been a good player for them this season uh, in a difficult season so far. Regarding Ross, I would say, uh, Oliver Ross, he is a great talent, but he's, he's 18 years old. He has played... 20, 21 uh, games in the league, only three for, uh, from start, so it's not much, but he's yet to score a goal. So it's not because he has played himself into the team by just keep on scoring from the bench. It is a little bit out of desperation that he's suddenly starting, I, I'd say. Mm. We, we don't know if, yet if and when he will be able to perform at the level uh, needed for them to progress in the league. Yeah, they do say that if you want to test a player's ability, you know, you've got to give them a consistent run of starts. Trying to score a goal coming off the bench for like five or ten minutes, it's a, it's a pretty thankless task. So I guess he's got a, a decent lineup this weekend to, to have a go at and, and see what they can do. I guess actually it would probably be good to, to talk about just a handful of the, the games coming up this weekend. And yeah, Alborg against uh, Lungbu in very much a relegation battle. Both teams absolutely dying for a win. So that's going to be a really interesting one. Do you see that going one way or the other? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I could see that being a draw as well. But this is another really important match for, for, for Olbo. Uh, also for Lungby, obviously. But Obi, having gone, to, um, having gone to Horsens, which is a team I guess they are having their eyes on. A newly promoted side who has been dropping a little bit during, uh, in the table. They are probably hoping they could reach uh, maybe them at some point during the season. And then they weren't able to beat them away. And now they have a, the other promoted side uh, also away. So it's a really important match for them, for, for, for OB. Got it. There's also the small matter of the Copenhagen derby this weekend. Um, the last one, I was actually there for the last one. Was so was I. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, 4-1 to FC Copenhagen. Uh, it was a Pep BL hat-trick. This one, I think, should be a bit closer. Uh, you know, Pep BL's gone, Bromby have, have, have strengthened. And yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a fascinating one. I think there's no away fans for this That's one. That's true. That's true. But how to call this one? Do you think that Copenhagen are going to have some sort of tired legs to shake off from midweek and that might swing it towards the home team? Uh, I think from Tuesday to Sunday, they should be able to recover from that. 
But it, I think it's going to be a tight game as well because, as you mentioned, Tabiel, who scored a hat-trick in, in the previous one, uh, he's not back. Uh, he's He's been sold. Andres Cornelius uh, is probably not fit for that one as well. So it's, FC Copenhagen lacks a bit of firepower, but I, they should be the better side. So I, I predict a draw or small victory for FC Copenhagen. Yeah, I could see this as a, a two-all maybe, or a, maybe a 2-1 to FC Coba. I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a score draw this one so i'm uh, i'm i'm very much on the fence <laughs> another game that i thought would be pretty interesting is uh, silkeborg against uh, ranas which is fourth versus second an all yulen clash and i i think that's going to be quite interesting to kind of assess the level of those two because i feel like this season they've sort of matched each other in terms of performances and uh, it's going to be great to see them go head to head yeah definitely and with FC Copenhagen and FC Midtjylland uh, going a bit, they, they are drawing nearer to, uh, to, to the top. Will there be room for all the, team who have been, all the teams who have been playing good this, uh, this season? Ranas, Vibor, Silkeborg, Norseland. Uh, I know the loser is not going to be kicked out of the league or anything, but it, it might be a little bit of a, a statement as, to, as if to who we can depend on in, in the top of the league, Silkeborg or Ranas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm going to watch that one with uh, with great excitement. The other games are FC Norgeland against AGF, FC Midtjylland against Horsens, and Viborg against OB. Do any of those grab you? You're going to be desperately tuning into any of those final three? I think FC Norgeland AGF will be an interesting one because we've just talked about if AGF uh, having what what I would call excusable losses against FC Copenhagen, against FC Midtjylland. And now they have a potential another excusable loss because they're going away to the number one team in the league, but they can't keep losing. So are they able to to gain something from going away to farm? That should be a really interesting one. Yeah, can't wait for that one. Well, thank you for talking Superliga with me for the best part of an hour. That was really fantastic and super grateful for you coming on the show and helping put out some English-speaking Superliga content. I really appreciated being here, so I hope uh, I hope you and the listeners were able to get something out of it. I, yeah. I had fun. Definitely. Well, that's about all we've got time for today. But before we go, I wanted to give everyone who's listening to this a challenge. The podcast has already been listened to by people in Denmark, Sweden and Iceland. But my first milestone will be when someone from all the Nordic countries has listened to at least one episode. So if you know anyone in Norway or Finland, please share this episode with them and spread the word of Danish Dynamite around the Nordic region. Finally, if you want to support the content I'm putting out, whether it's on the website or the podcast, please do consider becoming a Patreon. It costs no more than a coffee a month and you'll get a shout out on the show and my eternal gratitude. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark. You can also find me at footballindenmark.com, at footballindk on Twitter, and you can find Sebastian on Twitter at Seb Stanbury. I'll be back with another guest next week to talk more Danish football. So until then, it's bye for now. Stay well and enjoy the weekend's action. (laughs) 